Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Vine Community Church. We're very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd just like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we will get started with worship. Lord, I want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you will continue to do. We just ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. Go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. The annual chili cook-off is March 3rd after the 11 a.m. service. We will have four categories, beaniest, hottest, most exotic, and good old chili. Make your chili or soup and see if you can win. We need people to stay and eat with us. This is a fundraiser for summer youth camp, so we will take donations for lunch. See you on March 3rd. The New Vine Youth Laundry Soap Sale is going on now through March 3rd. You can pay with cash, check, card, or digital payments. See the tech booth for the order form and check out the good deals we have to offer. Thank you.
My journey through grief was certainly much more difficult than what I ever imagined. There were times that I just could not concentrate on things. There's days I wake up and I don't want to do anything. It's just devastating. The grief that happens after the death of a loved one can leave you feeling confused, lost, and alone without a roadmap. But other people have traveled this grief journey before you, and there is hope and a way forward. GriefShare is a proven video-based support group that connects you with others who are traveling the grief journey you're on right now. GriefShare is a place where you can be as raw and as ugly as you want to be, and it's okay. I joined them online, and it was great. It was wonderful. Each weekly Grief Share session consists of an insightful video with grief experts and testimonials, a small group discussion, and encouraging workbook exercises. You'll also receive free online resources and tools that help you move forward in hope and healing. I gained so much more than just understanding of grief, and I think I saw it from a bigger picture, too. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Thank you, Allison. How's everybody? Good? Uh, quick thing. Easter is early this year. The monks that got together got drunk, changed the calendar, and so it's early. So it usually follows, I don't know when Passover is, but anyway... We have an Easter egg hunt the week before for all the kids, and um, there's bags of, of, of empty eggs. You're supposed to put candy, wrap candy in these things to bring back, okay? And even right now in one of the nurseries, we have children bagging eggs. I don't know if it's against the law or not, but uh, so they're doing that. So grab one on the way out. They'll be back there. And uh, what does an Easter egg hunt have to do with Easter and the bunny? In the resurrection, nothing. So we just do it for fun. Okay? A um, couple of prayer requests. In the first service, there was a guy named Gary Harrison who's um, having, going to have heart uh, bypass surgery, but he has to wake up, wait about four weeks. He, I think I mentioned this before. He had a heart catheterization, had a reaction to the medicine. So he, they sent him home. So he's got to behave for four weeks. And so keep him in prayer. And then I have a friend his name's Perry Bowles. He's... In the hospital in Middletown, I just got a phone call about that. He has liver cancer, so I want to pray for him. And uh, anyone else got some stuff going on you'd like a prayer request for? Okay. All right. And, and at the end, we have people that are on our prayer team. They'll be, you'll see them put a little thing around their neck, and they'll be glad to spend some time praying with you, okay? So let's say a prayer, and we will take up the offering. So, Lord, just thank you that we can give to you. Use these gifts, Lord, to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Good morning. How we doing? You guys good? Good. So we are in a series that we started last week called Senses. And uh, just exploring the way that God interacts with us through five senses. Good. So last week, Dad talked about. Anybody remember? Nobody remembers. Taste. That's right, because he had candy. I forgot. Taste. And today we're going to talk about touch. And, yeah, so if you've been with us for a while, you probably know that I like to start our time with a little bit of quiet and silence. Um, In the Quaker tradition, it's called centering down. Um, In the, the broader Christian tradition, it's just called contemplative prayer. And I like to do it for two reasons. One reason is simply, if you're like me, you come in here and your mind's busy. Anybody's mind get busy? You worry about all the stuff that you got to do. And like, so if you're like me, you're, I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. And I worry about all the stuff that's, I got to do this week and if we're going to be able to get it done and, and all of, and I also make up things that aren't going to happen. Anybody do that? <laughs> Some people are pointing at others. I make up stuff that's not like that's not even real, and I and it can sometimes it can even be crippling, right? Anxiety, those types of things, right? So that's one of the reasons why I do it because we come into this room and we have a bunch of stuff, and we have a bunch of stuff that we worry about, and so a lot of times we can we live there, we live in this un unknown reality future that who knows what's going to happen. And so that can bog us down. But then the other thing that can happen in, in your life, or at least in mine, is that you live in regret. You, you think about all of the things that you messed up and your mind gets stuck there. And the problem with living in those two headspaces, whether it be future or past oriented, is that you're never fully present in the moment. And then life passes you by. And I was just saying, like, how am I 44? Because I'm always living in somewhere other space, right? And so I always start my services with just setting and being still and being present to God. Because if you're like me, you carry that junk in here. And it can get in the way of experiencing God. So that's one reason. But I think there's an, an, another reason. We, we took our youth group this week on a, a little a tiny trip, and we live in a noisy world as well. Anybody have one of these? Right? And so I, I went around the room and, we're, and asking the kids, like, how often does this thing buzz in your pocket? And I think that we came to the conclusion that the average was about three times a minute for most young people. Whether it be, and I mean, that's just with a little group of kids, I don't know. That, that's not a, a real study. But the reality that whether it be friends messaging them or simply just applications sending notifications, we have these things that we carry around that are constantly distracting us, Right? And um, I think that that can, that's, that can it has the potential to be spiritually crippling when we're that distracted by the things that are happening in our lives. Um, and, and so learning, and for those of us that are older, we remember a time when there weren't those distractions. And so it's easier for us who grew up in that world to get back to that world if we need to be still in the presence of God. But for this younger generation, they don't even know what that's like. They have that the the, the understanding of trying to be still and be quiet is 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 foreign to them. And we also can get caught in the trap like I remember being bored as a child. You guys remember being bored? Now, if I'm bored, you know what I do? I death scroll, which is I get out my phone and I just start swiping through all the videos or all the things that are going on on my Instagram or my Facebook and seeing what else is going on in the world. And so we, we don't even live in a world where we can 
we have the opportunity to be bored because we're just always occupied or preoccupied by something. Does that make sense? I think this is terribly um, hazardous, if you will, to, towards our spiritual lives. Because I believe that God is found in the stillness. I believe that God is found in, in the quiet. I believe that God is present, and when we are somewhere else, we are not. Does that make sense? So I've been introducing this practice of just stillness and quiet to help us start to kind of build those muscles of having that type of a prayer life where we can be present with God. Good, that's why we do this. I'm not trying to be a weirdo up here. That's trying to, to train us in something that would be helpful for our spiritual lives. And so let's take a few moments simply just to be still, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll just, just sit here and be still and open to God and, and try to clear our hearts and our minds of all the distractions so that we can be present and experience God. Good? All right, so Father, we just thank you. For this morning, and Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come as we just sit here still in your presence. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come and gather and worship, that we can come and and be with one another. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you just open our hearts and minds to you. We ask that you just bless our time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I have two kids. One is 20, which is crazy. Mark Evan. And then my daughter... Annabelle Avon is 14. I remember the day that my daughter was born, and we brought little Evan in to see his baby sister, and he wanted to hold her, and so we, we let him hold her, and he would hold her, and he would talk to her, and he, just through that physical touch, a bond was created, Yeah? A friend of mine just had uh, celebrated the birth of their daughter, and he sent some of us a picture of him holding her. And he he had a blanket on, but he had he didn't have a shirt on, and she was obviously she didn't have a shirt on. And and there's a new thing I guess going on with with babies that are born. It's called skin to skin, right? And they've done a lot of research and have discovered that there's a number of of benefits for for the parents to bond with the child and, and a number of benefits for the child to bond with their parents simply through that skin-to-skin touch. Touch is an interesting thing. It can be used to help each other. It can be used to heal one another. But it can also be used... To harm and to hurt one another, which brings me back to my kids. 
We take a vacation every year to North Carolina, and when they were younger, you know how a long drive is. They get bored, and so what do they do? Well, they begin to torture one another. First starts with words, and then it starts with touching. And so I'll hear from time to time from the back seat my kids complaining about the other one. He's touching me, or she's touching me. And I'll look in the rearview mirror, and oftentimes Evan would be back there just holding his finger close to her face. She's like, she likes to throw hands, so that's a whole other story. But touch is an interesting thing. And the Bible begins with this story of God taking the, the dust of the ground and forming it through his touch. He molded us. Forms us with his touch. And, and the scriptures say that he, he, breathed, he breathed the breath of life, gave them a kiss, and the breath of life filled their lungs. And, and so touch is an interesting thing. And it's an interesting way that we can interact with one another. It's an interesting way that we interact with God. And it's a, a thing that can either bring healing and help to our lives, or it can bring harm and hurt to our lives. And so what I want to do this morning is we're going to just work through a few stories with Jesus touching people and, and bringing healing and then ask ourselves simply the question, how, how does that connect to us and how can we imitate Jesus in the same kind of way? Yeah? So in Matthew chapter 8, there's this interesting story. It says that when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me. And what's it say? Clean. Now, in the Jewish context that Jesus grew up in, there were rules. And there were rules around cleanliness. There were things that were considered clean. And there were things that were considered unclean. And for the most part, it had to do with the, their diet. God had put these different laws, if you will, in place to keep the Israelites separate from the rest of the tribes that would have been around them. And so they wouldn't, it was mostly surrounded around food. And one of the ways that you would have relationships with other tribes was through food. But if I can't eat what you can, what you can eat, then we probably can't hang out, right? And God did this for a time to separate them from the rest of the people, to keep them safe from the other tribes, because the other tribes, like all tribes, were crazy. And we're all, we're all crazy, right? Like if you, if you live in a little tribe called Franklin, you're crazy. If you live in that little tribe over across the river in Carlisle, I mean, you're really crazy. Right? And so God separated them for a time so that they wouldn't be polluted by the belief systems of the other tribes. In the ancient world, sacrifices and human sacrifices and all these types of things, wars, corrupted all of humanity. And we've all been corrupted by these things. So God pulled a tribe, a nation out, set them apart so that as they grew, they could be a light to the other tribes and begin to draw them to God. And so these rules were good for a while. They were important for a season. One of the rules was if you had any type of skin diseases, you would be cut off from your people. And so what we have here is a man who has leprosy. And because he has leprosy, he has been cut off from his tribe. He's not allowed to take part in the day-to-day events and routines of the rest of the people. And, and so in the ancient world, there would have been leopard colonies outside of the towns and the villages throughout the, the regions of, of ancient Israel. To this day, in Ethiopia, for example, there are still people who live outside of the villages because they have skin disease and infections, and they don't want to spread it throughout. And so it's, it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's a... It's a harmful, hurtful thing for the ones who have this disease. Does this make sense so far? What's interesting about this story is that Matthew 
records for us that Jesus comes down from this mountainside and there is a large crowd following him. And that a man with leprosy has made his way through this crowd. Dad pointed out to me in between services that oftentimes there were rules where the leper would have to proclaim to the rest of the group, I have leprosy. And that so there's a great possibility this man has come through this crowd yelling out that he has leprosy. And and like the sea parting, these people, I imagine, moved out of the way because they didn't want to get it, right? You guys remember COVID, that whole six-foot thing, right? We sort of know what this is like. And so this man has made his way through the crowd. Perhaps the crowd is spreading away, getting away from this man because they don't want to catch what he has. And he kneels before Jesus and he says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And notice what Jesus does here. It says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you do not tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commands as a testimony to them. And so Jesus heals this man. He says, hey, listen, don't tell anybody I did this for you. Which who knows why Jesus would do that, but he does. He says, go and make the proper sacrifices. Show the priest your skins. Show them that you've been cleansed. And then you'll be welcomed back in to your tribe. Jesus does this with a touch. Perhaps you could say it like this. With just a touch, Jesus not only healed this man, but conveyed God's deep concern for him. And with just a touch, we too can allow God's love to flow through us. I have a really dear friend that I grew up with. And because of some unfortunate events in his life, he is now on the street, strung out on drugs, um, lives in the woods. And he has family and people who love him and who've tried to, to get him clean and get him back to normal. But you know how addiction can be it it rewires our minds and brings tons of shame and brokenness into our lives and for this for for my buddy he just he just can't get free of it yeah a couple weeks ago he was staying um in a house that's right down the corner from our house and i saw him and he had dropped something and he was having a hard time picking it up and so i walked across the street to see him and i I try to talk to him when I, when I get the chance and was helping him pick up the thing that he had dropped and I just gave him a big hug just to remind him that he's still a human being. Yeah? Just to remind him that he is still loved. Just to remind him that he's still my friend. I didn't know that that was significant to him. But another lady here in our church saw him recently, and she was telling him about our church and about us. And he goes, oh, no, I know Mark and Chuck. They're great people. Mark always gives me a hug every time he sees me. So touch matters. Yeah? Touch can, can, do, can be used for harm. It can be used for evil. It can be used to hurt and harm people, but it can also be used to help and to heal people. And I, you know, I don't know what, how his story will unfold, but it's important that we show people that we care for them. It's important that we show people that we love them. Even when the rest of the society pushes them off out of the village and separates them from us. Yeah, makes sense? And so Jesus brings healing through touch. There's another story in Luke chapter 8. It says this. It says, A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. 
And so she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone has touched me. I know the power has gone out from me. Yeah, keep going. And so then the woman, seeing that she could not get unnoticed, she could not go unnoticed, she came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all of the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And so you have this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. So a little bit more context here. Once again, this is a matter of someone being clean or unclean. Within the rules of the Jewish tradition, if a woman was on her period, she was considered unclean. Now, why? I don't know. I'm not that smart. It just was the rules. And so during that week of the month, if a woman was unclean, she, if she sat on her chair, her husband was not allowed to sit in the same chair. They were not allowed to sleep in the same bed. During that week for the month, they were separate from their family, which is it's just an ancient rule. I have no idea why. There's all kinds of crazy rules in the Bible. But for this woman, it's not been a week. It's not been a week that she's been separate from her husband. It's not been a week that she's been separate from her children. It's not been a week that she's been separate from her her people. It's been 12 years at this point. And so imagine what that would do to you. You love your family. You love your friends. You want to be a part of the birthday celebrations and all the things that are going on. But you can't because you're not allowed. And there's nothing that you can do about it. You've been separated from your tribe. And maybe you've never been separated for those kinds of reasons, but we all get separated from our tribe from time to time, right? Have you ever had those moments where it's just like, why is everybody like this? And you feel isolated. You feel like an outcast. You feel like you've been pushed to the margins. And you feel alone. And though we may have never been separated because of these physical reasons from these stories, we've all been separated from the people that we love in one way or another because of the way we act or the way that they act. And sometimes it feels very much like we're just by ourselves, completely alone, surrounded by our loved ones. And so this is where this woman lives in her headspace, isolated. I imagine that she's angry. Angry with the rules, angry with God, angry with the situation. I imagine that she's frustrated, not understanding why this has to be the way that it is. She's desperate, you could say. And in her desperation, she makes a choice to break the rules. Because she's heard about this Jesus. She's heard about his healings. There's even a psalm that says that there would be healings in his, his wings or his cloak. His, and, and so she knows, the, she knows the rumors. She knows the prophecies surrounding this man. She's a, she thinks it's him. This got to be the guy. This got to be the Messiah. And so she makes a choice. She, she risks it all. And she fights her way through this crowd to touch this Jesus. Now, this is funny, kind of. Because she touches him and immediately Jesus is like, whoa, who touched me, right? And Peter's like, dude, what are you talking about? Quit being crazy. There's this huge crowd. It could have been anybody, right? Like, calm down, Jesus. You're being a little bit much right now. But Jesus is insisting, like, no, I, somebody touched me. I felt the power leave me. And she realizes, like, she's not going to be able to slip away here. So she just comes and she confesses what she's done. And Jesus doesn't shame her, doesn't scold her, doesn't send her off. 
He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. See, with just a touch, Jesus bought transformative power, mending physical and emotional wounds and bringing spiritual healing to this woman. And it was her touch. It was her reaching out in this moment. And I would argue that with just a touch, we too can be instruments of God's restoring grace to other people. There used to be a woman here named, who came to our church named Barb. And she was the designated hugger of the church for a long, long time. And you weren't getting out without a hug from Barb. So she would just make her way all through the church, just giving people hugs. And I remember there would be, there would be times where, and I'm, I'm not much of a touchy guy, but there would be times where she wouldn't, it would have been a tough week for myself, and she would give me a hug, and there was something in that hug. Something healing in it, yeah? And so we too can be instruments of God's grace. We too can bring transformation through touch. Now what's interesting about these last, these, these two stories that we've talked about is what's going on within the, the laws and the rules. Because the reason why these people have been pushed to the edges, pushed to the, to the margins of their society is because in their understanding, if something was unclean and it touched something clean, it would make that clean thing unclean. And so you had to stay away. If something was designated unclean, well, we got to push it over here. We can't have it corrupting the rest of the group. But what we find happening here with this Jesus is something new is being birthed. That instead of Jesus becoming unclean because he's touched something that was unclean, a transformation has taken place. Where instead of Jesus receiving what they have, which maybe he does a little bit, they receive what he has. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean through that touch, they become cleansed through his touch. So Jesus is beginning this transformation throughout their society simply by welcoming and loving those who have been pushed to the side, which leads us to the next story. In Matthew chapter 19, we are told that people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples, they rebuked them. But Jesus said, listen, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now, when I read this story, I think about Christmas and I think about parents lining up so that the kids can sit on Santa Claus's lap, Right? That's like where my brain goes immediately when I read this passage. But in, in the ancient world, children were insignificant. They didn't have any status. And, and so for Peter and the rest of the disciples, they're kind of like crowd management. Because everybody wants to get to Jesus. He's this traveling rabbi who brings healing powers and grace. And so at this point within his his ministry, there are tons of people trying to get to him. And so Peter and the disciples are probably like, if you could, sort of like bouncers, like, hey, get away from him. And especially, what, kids? You're going to bring kids to the rabbi? Like, come on, man, that's a waste of time. Don't bring your kids. Get them out of here. They're, they cry when he talks. We're going to have to kick them out of here. You know, those kinds of things. But Jesus says no. Bring them to me. Because they have no status in the kingdom that they're growing up in. In the kingdom of Israel, they have no status. In the empire of Rome, they have no status. They're just kids. Who cares? Like even in in the Roman world, which was bonkers crazy, if there were defects or things or 
something wrong with the child, they would just toss him over a cliff. Yeah, sorry. A little shocking there, I know. And so a child, like, it, it didn't have any rights. It didn't have any status. Just kidding. You know, when you grow up, then you can have a say. But Jesus does something terribly interesting here. He says, in Rome, in Israel, they have no status. But in my kingdom, well, this is what my kingdom is all about. Because in my kingdom, the, the last will be first. The least have status. And so Jesus invites them into the kingdom. Jesus is, is giving us an example of how we are to be when it comes to all of the ways that we order our society, all of the pecking orders that we have, all the ways that we think these people are important here and these people are not important over there. Jesus flips the whole thing on its head and says, no, they are all welcome. So perhaps you could say it like this. With just a touch, Jesus affirmed the little children, including them in his kingdom. And for us, with just a touch, whether it be handshakes, hugs, gentle pats, we too can express God's affirmation and welcome while strengthening our own spiritual connections with one another. What do I mean by that? In the ancient world, it was children who had no status. But in our world, there's all kinds of different people groups that we put in who have no status. And what Jesus models for us here is that, no, wait a minute, guys. The kingdom belongs to them as well. So you might drive a nice car. You might drive a junker. Guess what? Everybody belongs. We're not looking at your bank account. We're not looking at your job title. We're not looking to see how many degrees you have or don't have. In the way that the rest of the world judges everything, and we say these people are important here and these ones here, ah, who cares about what they think? In Jesus' kingdom, everybody belongs. And those of us who've been at the bottom of society for the majority of our lives, we said hi in his. Yeah? And so Jesus welcomes everyone. He does this with a touch. He blesses the children And we are called to bless those around us. Which leads me to one last story of how Jesus transforms something. The Bible begins with the story of this first couple, Adam and Eve. And that God formed him through a touch. He formed them with his hands, gave them a kiss, and they received the breath of life. And then he placed them in a garden. And in this garden they were given Freedom to eat of any tree. Freedom to, to take care of the things that God has placed before them. And he, he places two, two trees in the center of this garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says to them, listen, you're free to eat of any of the trees that you want to eat from, but you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you do, you will surely die. Now, what, what is this story about? The story of, of, of the tree or eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is something that we've all done. We all have taken a bite. We've all decided to go our own way. Like there, I, I, Every day I battle with, I know what God wants me to do and I know what I want to do. And today I want to do what I want to do. And so every day I take a bite. And I imagine that probably you do too. And with this bite comes Wisdom. But it's a wisdom that we mishandle. It's, the, it's the, the ability to judge for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. It's the ability for ourselves to, to, to make judgments on who belongs and who doesn't belong. And, and so with this, with this knowledge from this tree, we mishandled it. And we become like God in the sense that we want to take the seat. Where it's God's seat to decide that we're going to sit in that seat. And we're going to decide who's right and who's wrong. We're going to decide who belongs and who doesn't belong. But the problem with this is that we turn this tree of the knowledge of good and evil into other types of trees. 
Another, an example of the way the Romans transformed this, this information or this wisdom is they turned it into this type of a tree. In the ancient Roman world, when they would cast judgment on a person that they felt was a menace to society or detrimental to the group, they would make an example of them and they would hang them on this type of a tree tree of death. And we still do this. We've done, in, in the hi- history of this nation, we've had trees that we've used to judge. Lynching people, saying, that, oh no, they don't belong because of the race or the ethnicity. We make judgments all the time. And we take this, what we perceive to be wisdom of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and we turn that tree into a tree of death. And we still do it with guns and bombs, executions. We take what we think is wisdom and we manipulate it into violence. What's interesting about what happens here on this tree is, like I said before, Jesus takes things that are unclean and he transforms them into things that are clean. And in the way that the Romans turned this tree into a tree of death. When I look at a cross, that's not what I see. Because that tree has been transformed. And so perhaps you could say it like this. With just a touch, we took the tree of the knowledge. We took the tree of knowledge and we turned it into a tree of death. But with just a touch, Jesus took the tree of death. And because he hung there and said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. He transformed that tree of death into a tree of life for all of us. Yeah? First people who heard this story said that was pretty good news. And so uh, Jesus in his earthly ministry, through just a touch transformed everything that he touched. And as the body of Christ, as we continue to carry out his ministry, we are called to bring healing and help in the way that we touch this world. Good? You guys done? I'm done. Two questions then. What is God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this. And then we're going to share communion together. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come, that you just speak to our hearts in these next few moments. If you have one of these, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder 
this ritual that we are all welcome at Jesus' table. A couple weeks ago, we were in a staff meeting and we were talking about how they are hard to open. It took me a minute as well. A couple weeks ago, we were in a meeting and we were talking about just kind of how hateful the world is. Just how polarized everyone can be. How, depending on what news station you watch, helps us determine who we don't like and who we hate. And we live in a society that is constantly pushing us against one another, separating us and then trying to get us to fight one another. And we were thinking about how important it is for us to pray for our enemies. Because when the rest of this world is trying to make us enemies of one another, the, the scriptures are very, very clear that our, our fight isn't with one another. It's against something else. And that when we look at one another, what we should be seeing, whether instead of a political opponent or someone that we hate or whatever, we shouldn't be seeing those divisions. We should be seeing the way that we are united because we are all created in the image of God. And so we decided that it would be important for us that as a, as a weekly practice to pray for those that hurt us, to pray for those who have harmed us, to pray for the people that we may hate. Because let's be honest, we all have, I don't know about you, but i got a room in my heart that I shove people in that I hate. Yeah? I like to shove them in there. I don't like to let them out. What if we began to open that door and invite them out and bless them instead of push, keep putting them in there? Yeah? And, and so we wanted just to begin this practice of, of praying for those who have hurt us praying for those who have harmed us, praying for those that perhaps we hate. Because God loves them too. And God wants us to love them as well, to forgive. And so we're going to do that as well. So just take a moment and just, maybe there are people that you're frustrated with, people in your family, people at your work. Maybe there are people long ago that hurt you, and you've been handcuffed to them for years. Let's just open our hearts up and pray for them before we take part in this community. So just take a few moments simply just to, to think about that and think about them, and then I'll pray a prayer for us before we, we jump into the Lord's Prayer. Yeah? And so, Father, we come before you and we confess our sins. All the things, all the ways that we've, we've sinned against you in, in thought, in word, and in deed. And all, all the things that we have done and all the things that we have left undone. Father, we confess that we haven't loved you with our whole heart. And we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. And so, Father, we just ask for your, your mercy. We ask for your forgiveness. And, Father, as we receive your forgiveness, Father, may we share that forgiveness with those in our lives that have hurt us, who have harmed us, who, who perhaps, Father, we even hate. We ask that you just change our hearts. Fill it up with your grace as we pray your prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world, and that we're reminded that as the body of Christ, we are called to do the same to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look to the person next to you, and say, the body of Christ broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. All right. Good job. So I'll stand and grab a person's hands next to you if you like. You probably should because that's what the sermon was about. And if you, if you need prayer, we'll have people down here that, who would love to pray with you. And so we will pray. Oh, and the chili cook-off is next week. So somebody's got to come in second. I don't know who's, who it's going to be. It's not going to be me, but it's going to be one of you. I think I might just win every category this year, like the triple crown of chili cook-off. But, yeah, let's go. I love it. It's true. True that. So we'll pray and we'll get out of here. So, Father, we just thank you for your healing touch. We thank you that through your hands you formed us and that you've healed us. And so as your body, Father, we ask that, that as we go, we can do the same. That instead of bringing hate and hurt to this world, that through, through our hands and through your hands and feet, that we can bring healing and hope. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just be with us this week as we go. We ask that you just guide us and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you guys.